Hello everybody, this is Kyle from Stay Plugged In, and joining me today is Kendo. He's a caster, does a lot of high-tier work with Rocket League, and he's a lot of production management work as well in the Rocket League scene. Today we're going to be talking about, in the field of opportunities um, going beyond just playing in esports, there's a gajillion opportunities that you've seen in our other podcast, and today we're looking at the casting and production side of things. So without further ado, Kendo, go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us about yourself, where you started playing in esports, what games got your in uh, interest captivated and how it took you all the way to being a great caster in the Rocket League scene. To, to be honest, for me, it was more uh, grassroots effort, but I'm Ken Carmen. Uh, I, you can find me on Twitter at Kendo Slice. It's K E N D zero and the word slice. Uh, you can find me pretty much anywhere else under that username, twitch.tv, Instagram, if you really like food pictures because I am a bit of a foodie myself. You can't see the belly. It's there. Trust me, it exists. But uh, yeah, for me, it was definitely more of a grassroots sort of thing because uh, a lot of opportunities do exist from the bottom down. People bring you in. They will actually train you, spend time with you. And for me, I was part of a community called Minor League Doubles, now Minor League Esports. And Casting had always been something that interested me a little bit. I mean, I grew up watching, playing sports on a regular basis and everything from the personalities of the broadcasters to the musical themes that went with the broadcasting. It just kind of gelled with me. I mean, I think of NBA on NBC. Yeah. All those catchy tunes that you just, once you hear it, you know. Exactly. And then like college basketball, the, penultimate moment in college basketball if you win is the one shining moment you know you literally have a song that goes with a moment of victory global horns in hockey how can you forget that everyone's exactly. got their own unique fog horn they have their own celebration i grew up in connecticut near hartford and they hartford whalers had a thing called the brass bonanza it was something so much fun to listen to you go to college and you have football with bands every time they score it's amazing i i think a rocky top for tennessee i'm not even a tennessee fan but it's one of my favorite songs exactly. coming out of college football and then even like wwe wwf mm -hmm. you know like you know it's fake, mm -hmm. but it's it just catches. It just catches you. Yeah, and it the goes production is so stinking good. The mm -hmm. characters are so good. You can't resist it. Mm -hmm. And really, competition, no matter what the platform, it brings people in every in from every background. There's so much culture, and you really just want to entertain yourself in it for days. I got my start something small. Mm -hmm. And just my interest, that was the driving point there. And people came alongside me. They trained me up. As I got more and more comfortable, I had opportunities outside of my starting point. And that's where things really started flying because there was a lot of people that I had the opportunity to cast with that are major facets now in the Rocket League community. Yeah, 100%. I think you went through a lot of really interesting highlights of um, 
the production side of things, all those catchy tunes, and like you know when it's NBC, you know my favorite sports football, and you know when it's mm-hmm. NBC Sunday Night Football, right? You know, yeah. you got Carrie Underwood out there, and it's just fantastic. <laughs> it gets you going, you know. It's just, it's something that captivates you, and that's exactly what we're trying to accomplish. I think both of us in esports, um, esports mm-hmm. is so new, right? Like it's been around for a little while, but for the production side of things, you know, there is no iconic thing yet at that level, right? NBC. Mm-hmm. Sunday Night Football on NBC, right? NBC, NBA. All of that, not there yet, but there's definitely strides we can take. Definitely getting, you know, more and more kids involved in esports and helping them develop their passions and foster those skills into the workforce, into production teams like an ESPN for esports, for example. So that's all incredible. And I think those are great goals to have, especially in the esports world. Um, So moving forward, you know, you mentioned all of those. So how do you go about from your production perspective and your casting background, how do you go about trying to build those foundations to attain those goals? For me, I, I, I come from a small community. So that's where my focus is gonna be 90% of the time. It's focus on that community. You think about what a broadcast is and what sport is, what esport is. It brings in so many different people from so many different backgrounds. And I'm the voice that they're hearing as a caster. I become part of that presentation that everyone in that moment has in common. So my goal is to try to bring everyone along to where the experience is amazing for everyone. And that's a challenge. It's Mm -hmm. a big challenge. That's that's a goal that's very hard to attain for sure. (laughs) It's also amazingly fun, especially because they're along for the same ride I am. Mm-hmm. And they get to experience the same highs, the same lows that I do. Mm-hmm. Above all, when you're trying to build a community, though, I want, I want to be approachable. And I, I think back to a moment that I had just being a spectator. And that was at the Collegiate Rocket League, the first LAN. It was down in Arlington, Texas, literally in the shadow of the... Uh, jerry world just down the road you, you uh, very you saw, big stadium right pretty sure it's yeah big. yeah that's the dallas cowboys stadium <laughs> it's literally like a block and a half away at the esports stadium in arlington and i got to meet so many different people who were role models for me who i had some i had never casted with and there was one person in particular his name Subi smash uh Travis Hale, he actually talked to me on a personal level after everything. He came to me to talk to me. And that's, Mm -hmm. it's one thing if I'm walking up to him and being a little bit creepy and be like, hey man, big fan. I tell you what, amazing stuff. And then that engages the conversation. I want to be someone who engages the community enough that they look at me and it's like, okay, we all have something in common. This experience is something that is huge and it can drive each and every one of us. Mm-hmm. It, it, it reaches us on an individual, individual level. Mm-hmm. However, because of the community focus, we can create something that's really, really special. And plus you think about the community, the community is what we still have after the presentation is over with. These are just small little spotlights exactly. that were raining on people for just a small moment. Once the presentation is gone, once everyone's broken a leg and 
you know, the land is over, what happens? Well, that's where the community comes in. Mm -hmm. And that's my personal focus when I go into production. It's more than just the singular event. It's how can this community grow through this event? How can other people benefit from it? And how can we bring everybody together? Exactly. And I think that's an incredible way to approach the community in esports. And I think the community in esports is so special because we look at traditional sports at the professional level at all aspects of it, right? Players, coaches, production, you know, commentators, casters, whatever it may be, they're somewhat disconnected from their fan base, right? They do a lot of good work and they're so popular it's hard to be connected to all of them. But in esports, we have Twitch, we have Mixer, right? We have streaming platforms that like what we're doing right now, you know, this is going to be streamed one day and it's going to be hopefully very well followed. But for the players, they can go after their pro league game, right? Log on to their Twitch, fire up the stream and talk to all their fans just like that. And they can take questions at an instant notice. They can be way more interactive with them. And I think that's something fantastic about esports is that the community is so tightly knit and everyone appreciates each other a good deal, right? Mm-hmm. But Absolutely. I have a question for you along those lines. What about outside of that community, right? Esports is still largely new, and there's a lot of just unknowns with it, unless you play in it, unless you produce it, right? Unless you're mm-hmm. directly involved in that community. You might not know anything about it. You might, hey, I've heard of it. It's pretty cool. You know, my son or daughter plays um, this game or that game in an esports competitive sense, or maybe they're just, they just game. Um, how do we go about, you know, giving those folks some more knowledge, some more education on what we're all about and what we're trying to accomplish? I here's I think this actually starts with culture more than anything else, because you look at the video game culture in the past and it's like, bro, I grew up in my closet playing <laughs> video games away from my parents, hiding from everybody. And I did it to get away from people to begin with. Where things need to start changing is it has to be something that's socially accepted. It has to be something that's brought forward into the light where, okay, you have people who play these games really well, good enough to be professional. They have to maintain themselves. They have to maintain their skill set and they have to continue to push themselves. This goes along the lines of production as well because people who are in production and want to improve, they have to improve consistently. They have to continue to get their reps in. It's practice, practice, practice. Mm -hmm. The culture needs to change though, because we still look at video games that same way that, okay, this is my 15 year old son. And I I speak from a dad's perspective because I'm a 32 year old man with two (laughs) children. But here's my 15-year-old son, and he plays this weird game where he hits a ball with a car into a goal. Or here's my uh, son who practices war games on a regular basis, and I'm not sure if he's psychotic or not. (laughs) The only thing I hear out of him is, Mom, where's dinner? And if we change the culture, a lot like they've done really over in South Korea, it becomes more socially normal. You start seeing it more as a social accepted entertainment. I think that would go a long way. We just need to change the culture. 
Yeah, I totally agree, and I think culture is a good aspect to look at in that sense. And I think some of the fear that's associated with video games, especially like the war games and the FPSs, um, mm-hmm. when you look at the research, it's actually quite the opposite. Those games are so in-depth that they involve so much strategy and tactics, high-level cognitive functioning and thinking and problem-solving, advanced predictive behavior, right? You're constantly trying to predict what your um, opponent is going to do. When you look at the research, it actually shows a quite opposite trend in that these kids that play these games at a high level, they develop soft skills, so to say, that are applicable to the rest of their life. It helps them time management, like, right? We had another guest in the show, Mike Aguilar, that said, where else in the entire world do you see, and you're talking about World of, um, World of Warcraft raids, you see 40 people across states, countries, time zones, different hemispheres, like so far spread apart, where do you see them in real time communing together in perfect tandem under high stress, comp- accomplishing a common goal all together? You don't. You don't really. The Absolutely. only place you might see is the military, right? Yeah. Um, that's the only place, but like, not everyone's going to go in the military, obviously. So you're developing skills that are very hard to practice or train for unless you're in a very dedicated environment for that. Um, so I think, you know, showing that, trying to expose the culture to that, like, hey, it's more than just I'm just chilling. I'm just going to play some games. You're actually developing really, really great skills that you can use in the workforce and casting production, of course. You can use in the collegiate sphere as you move to the next level. So many other places as well. So I think it's fantastic, and I think as we seek to expand the knowledge into the outside of the community, I think it's going to start to change slowly, and you're going to see this tight-knit community grow and expand and involve so many more people where you're going to see, hey, mom, you know, instead of going to high school football on Friday nights, you're on Saturday nights, you're going to the local land center, and you're going to play, you know, in Fortnite or Rocket League or anything like that. And that's going to be a great, uh, you know, marking mile marker for esports, I think. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So as moving forward, I talked about some of those soft skills. I'm sure you've gamed quite a bit, obviously, as a caster and producer. Where do you use those soft skills that you've developed playing competitive gaming or just gaming in general um, that you use today, casting, producing, and all that kind of great stuff? Uh, let's see here. I mean, for someone, for someone who is pursuing, whether it be casting or even as a player, I, I focus mainly on the casting, though, because that's where my forte is. And I feel like that starts with structure more than anything else. It's very easy to just jump in and be like, hey, this is, uh, this is uh, easy. This is just a guy talking out of his nose and <laughs> continuing to push forward this weird content. But a lot of the thing, underlying thing that people don't realize is that casting actually starts with a structure. Every commentary, there is a structure. It doesn't matter whether it's professional, actual real life sports, esports, whether you're doing first person shooters, whether you're playing Rocket League, or maybe even you're casting Hearthstone or Magic the Gathering, whatever yep. it may be, there's a structure, there's a pacing. Mm-hmm. And having that as a foundation, as a boundary to keep yourself on the hinges, mm-hmm. as it were, it's the most important part. And it's the starting point for both your personal development and as a caster. It, it also helps in your ability to adapt to the others who are co-casters in your field. Exactly. Once you know that structure and you understand the structure that you're trying to keep, you have essentially a, a skeleton, a body of work to begin. Mm-hmm. 
you can fill in the rest of that with repetition. And that's where I said, practice, practice, practice comes in. You find as many opportunities as you can possibly do to practice, whether that be casting, whether that be, and, and like it even just branching over into the competitive thought, like coming from a rocket league background, once you actually structure yourself in a strategy, you practice that strategy over and over three people on the same field thinking the same exact way in circumstances minimizes mistakes. It creates a much more refined product and it's that way in production just as much as it is in gameplay. Yeah. I think that's a fantastic point in structure. And ultimately when you look at practice, it's quality over quantity as well, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously quantity is important. You need to practice enough. So you develop those strategies and tactics to a very fine point perfect manner right but you're making mm -hmm. sure you have a goal right that structure that skeleton you were talking about is well defined you know what you're trying to achieve you know what you're striving towards and having yeah. that quality in place will help you in the long word long run than just playing right so many yes. times you see a lot of people in gaming that just sit down and just play really mm -hmm. mindlessly or as you said earlier as an escape form right which there's nothing wrong with that that, that can be a pastime but when you look at it in a competitive sense you need that quality there. You need that common goal, that structure to strive towards so you can continuously improve over time and get to that next level, next level, whether that's, you know, getting, making a team at high school, getting into a collegiate team or being coming a pro um, in any game. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think we got time for one more question. So we've both been involved in esports for quite a while. I want to ask about the future of esports. Where do you see esports expanding to in the next year, in the next five years? And that's an open-ended question, so I'm going to let you take that in whatever way you want. I appreciate that question because really where we are currently in the world, I feel like this is the golden moment for esports to shine. In this next year, these next six months even, are the most critical time in the history of esports within the North American continent, within what we know throughout the world, really. If we're able to get a foothold in the country's mainstream media, right now we need to full send mm -hmm. everything we have while mm -hmm. people who would normally be watching the never-ending barrage of football basketball xfl they have no other option right now mm -hmm. it, you literally look at twitter right now you got larry the cable guy going off about simulated football there right. are any there's nobody behind the controllers this is mm -hmm. literally you're throwing a simulation of a game with made up players and made up teams and people are like okay you know what? It's still football. It's still enjoyable. It's something. The yeah, the presentation, it's not like it's lacking. Exactly. It, if they fall in love with the games that we have to present to them the same way that we have, we could not only see a growth in watching, but I, I feel like there could be a growth in playing and awareness of gaming like never before. And that, I feel like, is where the culture has an opportunity to change. Mm -hmm. yep. Because... If we are in the mainstream and we have those opportunities and this is all of a sudden a lot more socially acceptable, it, it could affect the entire next five years. Mm -hmm. like you, look at, you look at South Korea, everything is mainstream there. It's socially acceptable to make 
hundreds of thousands of dollars for being extremely good at video games. League of Legends especially mm -hmm. would be a primary mainstay mm -hmm. in Korea. They're at the pinnacle of entertainment over there. Mm -hmm. And right now there's a structure where we see some of our entertainers within esports going places. I think of Golden Boy who yeah. has gone from being a host to a very large number of esports events to now he's a personality on AEW wrestling, mm -hmm. getting to cast with Jim Ross himself, mm -hmm. who's really like, if you go back, by God, he's a legend. Mm -hmm. It's amazing that there are opportunities like that, but the door is open right now. And if esports can find a foothold, just imagine what the next five years could be like. Imagine ESPNE, the channel, where mm -hmm. we have a esports dedicated sports channel where people can literally click on their television and zoom in on the opportunities mm -hmm. that are right before us within the esports world. Exactly. And I think during these very uncertain times, we really do hope everyone's staying healthy, staying happy. Make sure you're taking care of yourself in these very precarious times. Pay attention to the news, you know, pay attention to the experts. Um, try to stay healthy. But there's no sports and people are looking for something to fill that gap. So this is an opportunity for esports, um, even though it's a tragic case in the world. And we, you know, our thoughts and feelings go out to everybody who's affected by this. Um, but let's as a community raise that awareness right no one's doing anything right now you know everything's closed down no one knows what to do everyone wants some form of entertainment and esports can 100 percent provide that take the time learn sit down with your family members that might know it or your friends that might know it a little more than you and just ask some simple questions you know we're not at you know you don't have to become a master overnight you certainly won't in league of legends or siege or csgos and you know some of the very popular esports that are crazy in depth rocket league included in that um Sit down, ask a few questions, make the people that are involved in it feel appreciated, um, especially like all of us are working a lot of long hours because we all are trying to develop tournaments because our players have more time than ever to play in these tournaments. So sit down, enjoy, try to be involved a little bit more and just raise your awareness. And I think that's a great way um, to really take the next next step in the um, culture around surrounding esports. So that's all that we have the time for today. Everyone, this was Kendo Slice. Kendo Slice, any parting words for us? Go ahead and plug yourself again. Yeah, Ken Carmen at Kendo Slice on Twitter, Twitch TV, as well as Instagram. I mean, you can also, if you're interested in personal inquiries, kendocasts at gmail.com. Feel free to send me an email. Heck, you can just send me a thank you <laughs> if I did a good job right here. I mean, that it goes a long way letting people know that hey they did a great job and appreciate y'all for watching awesome thank you everyone for joining us everyone stay healthy stay positive and stay plugged in